Welcome to Series 4 of the Conformance Cast. Our guest this series is Dr. Susan Audino, an instructor and consultant who specializes in cannabis testing labs. Dr. Audino has her own consulting organization, S.A. Audino and Associates, but she also teaches courses and provides consulting services through A2LA Workplace Training to help labs achieve conformance to international standards. To learn more about Dr. Audino's courses, visit a2lawpt.org events. Welcome back to the Conformance Cast. This is episode three of season four. I am Evan Hodges, and I'm here again with Dr. Susan Audino. Uh, let's let's get right back into info. Let's get right to it. Thank you, Evan. What would you say is the greatest challenge, or if there's more than one, the greatest challenges facing cannabis science overall in the next few years, speculatively? Oh, I thought we only had two hours here. (laughs) (laughs) We can listen. I can make this into as many episodes as I need to. So please do go on. I'm sure people will enjoy listening to it. Uh, There are many challenges facing the cannabis science overall. Um, One is we need to co. We need to stop blaming people. When there's a problem with a product, we need to stop blaming an entity, be it the regulators or lack of regulation or the cultivator or the product developer or the laboratory, or in some cases, even the customer. So we need to stop blaming people and we need to recognize and acknowledge that we all need to learn from one another. If we don't understand what our needs are, we don't understand our processes, how can we possibly come to an end product that makes sense and is accepted? So we need to stop blaming people. That's first and foremost. Secondly, we need to learn from one another. And I think that's the biggest challenge because we all want to come in and we all want to be an expert. We all want to be the best. We all want to say, well, you know, I'm a scientist, so therefore I know more than you. I'm a cultivator, therefore I know more than you. I'm a producer, therefore, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and, And none of that's true. We are all in this together. We are all teachers and we are all students at the same time. Well, what is that? What is that PhD even for then? Come on. <laughs> oh, it means I knew how to do some research. I could answer one problem that nobody else did and uh, did not situate me for, <laughs> you know, it, it, and that's actually another interesting point. It's a little bit tangential here, but there are some regulators that say a lab director must have a PhD in chemistry or science, mm. physical science. And I think back to my research, which was on the thermal decomposition rates of organometallic compounds in the gas phase. Mm. And according to specifications here in this one state, the day after I defended that, I'd be able to work as a chief scientific officer in a cannabis laboratory. Yikes. Right? Scares me too. (laughs) Um, So there's an occasion where a requirement or regulation, although very well-intentioned, could have some really bad effects. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we want to be careful about that. So other challenges that we have is putting the cart before the horse, making claims that cannabis or some cannabis derivative is going to miraculously solve a problem before we have the empirical evidence that, that supports that. 
And another challenge that I think we're going to have, and I think we're starting to see this a little bit, is the effects, the unintended effects of, of uh, selective breeding of cannabis. You know, if we were to go back and, and look at the plant from a thousand years ago, I suspect we'd be looking at something very different today because of what we've done to the plant over the years. And I think that that could be a problem going forward. I think, um, I think that we don't have or may not have as much of that native, natural, originating plant that we think we have and once had. Hmm. That's interesting. I've heard anecdotally that uh, cannabis products are very different than they were even a few decades ago. So I can only imagine that that's the case over a much longer period of time also. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I agree with that. So again, I'm I am not a plant expert, so that's definitely outside my wheelhouse, but I too hear those reports and and again because my brain doesn't think linearly, I'm always creating little buckets in my brain about where these little tidbits of information go and and I and that's certainly one that I'm kind of hanging on to and and I'm very interested in because um I think that all of our good intentions could lead us to some challenges down the road. Um, so you do a lot of consulting. How are cannabis testing labs like and also unlike other types of testing labs? Well, you know, when we're talking about testing labs, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say third party quality control testing labs, right? Typically, these are the labs that are 17025 accredited, and they're third party. They're working independently from their customers. And it's always interesting because when I go into those labs, they say, well, we're a production lab. And I say, no, you're not a production lab. You're a quality control lab. What are you producing? Well, we're not producing any products, right? You're producing data, right? The only product of your laboratory is data. You're not making a product. You're not manufacturing anything. If you're manufacturing data, that's going to be a different story we're going to have to talk about. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, you are not a production laboratory. You are a quality control laboratory. And as a quality third-party quality control laboratory, we're using the same instrumentation. We're using the same ICPs and HPLCs and UPLCs and all kinds of Cs. Um, you know, the analytical process is the same. The commodity is a little bit different than what we're used to. And it's a little more complex than what we're used to in these third-party labs. So as a laboratory and looking at the setup of that laboratory and the function and its purpose, it's no different than analyzing peanut butter um, or tomatoes or any other commodity. But um, what makes it different is, in fact, the matrix and, and the fact that we can now take this plant and we are doing some wild stuff with it. We have isolates and distillates and we can make creams and salves and personal care products and we can still smoke it, uh, but we can also create li uh, liquids from it. We can create a vapor from that liquid and we can... And if your mind can think it, we can make it. Uh, we can infuse some part of this plant or all parts of this plant into whatever it is we would like to consume. 
So that part is a little bit different in the laboratory. And, and many laboratories are used to developing a method that will analyze one matrix millions of times over again. And in the cannabis labs, because the matrix is changing and the applications are changing with every customer every day, we are not necessarily seeing laboratories do a very good job at validating a matrix uh, or a new matrix. The chances are that the chromatography and the separation will likely be the same. The sample prep is going to be different. And what I don't see in labs is a concerted effort to see how uh, the complexities of the plant are really exploited uh, during sample preparation and playing out into the final product. So, and, and, and I think labs are trying to take shortcuts. So they'll take a salve, validate it as a salve in that matrix, but then an oil will come along and say, oh, well, it's close enough to the salve, so we don't need to validate or partially validate our method to this new matrix. We're just going to use it all the same. And so this is where we see a lot of differences from other laboratories. Um, and in part, it's to drive the business of the laboratory, right? So they need to satisfy their customers and they are being pressured to give the customer a very rapid turnaround. And then they don't want to disappoint their customers. So that means that they are very cognizant of failures, specification failures. So I have seen and heard many laboratories that use less sensitive equipment and work this is going to sound pretty wild and it's counterintuitive, but they work to create less selective methods so that more, more samples will pass. And that mm -hmm. becomes a business decision because we all need money to make the laboratory run. So I see laboratories making business decisions that require compromising the integrity of the science in order to ensure their doors can remain open. Mm. by maintaining that, that customer base. So again, this is where we see the intersection of cultivation, regulation, specification, and science. Um, and the economy of the product that is driving all of those entities. So that's different. Uh, would you say that the sort of novelty of the product is is also impacting that just because the expectations around cannabis have not been set in the industry yet? Well, I think the unstated ex, um, expectation of the industry is let's find every place where this 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 plant can be helpful and useful. <laughs> you know, if I can create a cream and put it on my toenails so that my toenails <laughs> are now instantly painted, I'm going to do it. Um, you know, if I can create something that's going to make my life easier, make me feel better, then I'm going to do it. So I think, even in theory, even abstractly, yeah, even abstractly, yeah. you know, there have been many studies that come out where uh, we see this um, uh, placebo effect, right? So mm -hmm. people are buying high CBD products, and then when it's tested, there's no CBD in it. But yet the patient or the person will report feeling great and using this product 10 times a day because they feel so much better using it. But there's no science there to back that up. 
right? There's no data there to back that up. So we see that happening a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it's one of the reasons why I just love this industry is because sometimes it makes no sense. And it's just kind of fun <laughs> to watch it sort of evolve and develop and unfold um, and see where it's going to go. But uh, yeah, it's kind of cool stuff. Yeah, it's the interesting thing about being a trend product, essentially, is that people are obsessed with it and they're desperate to find things that it does, even if there's no reason to think that it does that. But it's the miracle. Come on, <laughs> cannabis is the miracle plant. It does everything for everybody all the time. Yeah, put it in every cream, rub it all over your face. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Give it to your cats, your dogs, and, uh, you know, everybody else. So, um, and I think that, that you know, all, all joking aside, I think there are legitimate applications for it. I think that it does legitimately help people um, in some areas. I don't think that it is a cure-all for every illness or every disorder or every disease, but I think that it certainly, absolutely has its role, plays a role in some things. Uh, but we need to do a much better job at sifting through the data to find out what those buckets are. All right. I think we'll wrap this one there and we will talk about uh, some more advice and input for laboratories in the next episode. Uh, thank you all. And I will see you in two weeks, two weeks from now. Subscribe to the Conformance Cast on your podcatcher of choice to get updates whenever a new episode is posted. Find more educational content, including blog posts, and our schedule of courses on a2lawpt.org. Would you like to become a sponsor of the Conformance Cast? Visit a2lawpt.org slash podcast for more information.